Well, <laughs> it's not New Year yet. We still have a little time left of Christmas. Amen? Amen? I'm not in a rush to leave this season. It's just a beautiful time of the year, right? No matter what Bose Lexus puts on cars and tells us about <laughs> that, it's not. It's, and we all know it's about something deeper. It's about Jesus. It's about relationship. It's about this presence. And I guess in a poetic way, even though it's the coldest time of the year, which it really is <laughs> this time of the year, right? Like we have an actual winter. Um, it's also the warmest, right? You feel it. You feel this warmth because we know no matter how we try to change Christmas, it's the Savior that's come. It's about relationship. We've been cold a lot uh, for Christmas. Uh, Alyssa and I have traveled. We went to Iceland for Christmas. Iceland for Christmas. Uh, we went snorkeling in Iceland for Christmas. And people thought we were crazy. And I thought we were crazy. I thought my wife was crazy as she was booking these things. Um, and it was a good time. But in that journey of Iceland and then came back to the U.S., we stayed in Boston with some friends, some former co-workers, uh, I'm sorry, a former college uh, roommate and her husband in a one-room, one-studio apartment room on a, on a mattress, on an air mattress uh, that one night. And then came back, to t and then from there to Tennessee to see my parents. And we had a good time with them as well, ate a lot of food. Uh, a lot of talking with, with, with my mom. Uh, it was a very warm time. It was a very warm time. So before I get into that, I want to pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas. We praise you for you, Lord Jesus, coming into the earth like you did, humbly as you did, to teach us something about what it really means and what really, what really matters uh, and how we are meant to live. Lord, may you bless us all in this time of gathering. You already have through the awesome worship that we got to partake in. And may we leave uh, warmer even more as we have your, your word in our heart. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. So like I said, we went to Iceland. And... The first day was just kind of fast. It was uh, four hours, about six hours ahead. So the night, we got on the plane, and we arrived in Iceland at 11.30 Houston time, but it was magically like 4.30 their time. And so we basically didn't have any, any, any night time to sleep. Uh, we just kind of went right to our day, and uh, we went snorkeling, and one to two degree Celsius water, which is about 30 degrees or so. And it was snowing as we were getting instructed to go in. And I was just freaking out. And I mean, even the, uh, even the tour guy was like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. <laughs> you guys are. But we did it. And 
uh, it was a good time. It was beautiful. Uh, we saw some beautiful things. But I remember that on the drive back from snorkeling, it was, it was a, 12 hours later or so, it was driving back to Reykjavik, the city in Iceland we were staying at. It was dark, and I just heard God say, you know, we haven't spent time together yet. There was this emptiness that I felt in the bus, and there was a need to fill it. And I knew God was saying, we didn't, we didn't get time together yet. You've been so busy having a good time. So I just opened up my app, and I, I read the Bible right there in the shuttle van as we drove back to our hotel in Reykjavik. And it was the warmest at that point I felt the entire day. <laughs> um, we didn't get enough of that. The next day, we also went to the Black Sand Beaches. It's in a town, outside of a town that I can't pronounce. It's got a lot of R's and K's and J's and V's in it. Uh, and there's a picture of that I'd like to show you um, right here. Basically, uh, awesome picture, right? Oh, there it is. Okay, I couldn't see it on mine. But. So that sand is black because uh, Iceland is formed through ice volcanic eruptions, so everything is just dark. So the sand is literally just dark sand, and there's these structures in the back. They're black, too. There are a lot of people there, but I found a way to get them all out of the way so I can get a picture. <laughs> like, hurry, take it right now. Alyssa took it, and so they can, like, I'm there by myself, but there are people all over the place. So, <laughs> optical illusion. But in, while there, it was just it was more of the same. We, we read the Bible, Alyssa and I, while we were there. Alyssa's picture is next. Um, I took a picture of her, and just the sky is just glowing as she's looking off into the water. Um, that probably looks off to, the water probably goes out to either England or something, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> it was very easy to feel God's presence again. We were drawn to that place. We actually went back to that place again on our way before we left Iceland. I just couldn't get enough of it. I took the picture right here. There were some people way down by the, the rocks there that had photos, and they wouldn't leave. But they finally left the, the picture finally right there. Just breathtaking place. The wind, the, uh, the waves were crashing, and it was actually a danger. They said, don't get too close to the waves because they could suck you in and you would be dead uh, before you knew it. It's dangerous. But in this present danger, God was there and it was easy to just kind of worship him. So God knocked on my heart and I couldn't, I couldn't resist him while, while there. And then, So a question came to mind as I was just worshiping God and thinking of the, the opportunity to preach in this this sermon today, knowing that it would be what I would be doing when I got back. Question I have for everybody here is just, when Jesus knocks, are you opening the door or ignoring him? When you feel his presence asking you to spend time with him, no matter how busy you are or what you're doing, do you respond to that just by simply praying to him? or just thinking of him, or just being silent 
and not thinking anything at all and letting the silence speak to you? Do we respond when God speaks to us? I think that's the blessing of Christmas is amongst all the things that happen, God is just saying for us to to think about him, to really make it simpler, to make it about a relationship again with him and not other stuff. Him and those who he's placed in our life to worship him with too, his family. I think it's just really hard to do. And while we were in Iceland, he repeatedly was telling me to do this. And so it made for a, a, another level of experience, of experiencing Icelandic Jesus, you know, God in Iceland. You know, I, I feel like when it comes to worshiping God, a lot of times we have to continue to focus on um, the primary focus of relationship over anything else. There's something that us at Oikos talk about, which is the five capitals. We've mentioned it before. Uh, who's here heard the five capitals? Pastor Aaron's heard it. I hope so. And so it's, it's financial is, is the bottom one. And then it's relation, well, it's, it's physical. And then intellectual, I'm messing up already. <laughs> At the very top, though, is spiritual. <laughs> Jesus. T- time? Okay. Maybe it's not. Oh. Okay, it's a missing one. Okay, thank you. There's one more in there. There's five of them. Intellectual. Okay, so mine as well. So there's, okay, so there's, there's money. There's relationships. There's intellectualness or our mind. There, there's physical, our body. And then there's spiritual is the highest one. And I think that when it comes to Christmas, we put everything else else before the spiritual. But it's all about that. There's a famous passage that Jesus preaches in the book of Luke. And every time that I hear this passage, in the past, I've claimed it for spiritual, no, it's not spiritual, but financial prosperity. Because it's very easy to do. But Jesus actually has a priority and a lot of things that he preaches in the scripture, and it's actually financial prosperity is one of the minor things, focusing on him and his relationship that he has with us and that he's created with people is the major thing. So Luke 6, 38 says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for, for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. So when you hear this sermon, do you, who here thinks of money? Come on. The more you tithe, the more you get blessed, right? Because God's going to bless me, make it ring with finances. And if I give more, then I'm going to get more money from God. I have used this verse many times to basically believe that. And God has done that. When we get God gives us back more income. It happens. But that's not the focus of this passage. 
Alyssa and I were talking over a year ago, and she said, I think this passage isn't really about money at all. I think it's about something else. And I started thinking about that too, and she was right. Jesus wants us to rethink how we value relationships, basically. Invest, investing in God and people, and you will have wealth. Invest in God and people, and you will have wealth. Not invest in money, and you'll have wealth. But real wealth comes in him and the people that he's placed in your life. You will have a full stomach and a full heart if you invest in God and people. So when you read six, Luke chapter 6, 24 through 38, we'll see what I'm talking about. So I'm going to read this more now, and then we'll, hopefully we'll see what more Jesus is saying. So Luke chapter 6, verse 24 to 38. I'm going to read a whole lot, by the way. So here we go. What sorrow awaits you who are rich? For you have, for you have your only happiness now. Sorry. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now? For a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now? For your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? For, the, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on, the, on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your, your coat, Offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Golden rule. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them, and if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who, repay, who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to others, other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good, to those, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are thankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. And here we are. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Thus saith the Lord. There's nothing in there about tithing. <laughs> Tithing's a good thing, by the way. Just tithe the Oikos Church. But what is he talking about here? What is the giving and lending that Jesus is talking about? 
It's love. It's yourself. It's you. Jesus says, if you give yourself, you'll be wealthy. If you give the things that he's given you to others to love them, you will be wealthy. I think we turn this around. And Christmas is that beautiful time of the year where we get to struggle with that every year, right? But when it comes down to it, we come together and we complain and we moan with our in-laws and our family members because they're our family. We come here to church because we want to be with our family. If we invest ourselves in others, we will be blessed. God and people are the investment. We must open our hearts in 2018. This is a time of year where we start making vows. We're either lame and we make them out loud. I'm going to lose 30 pounds, right, or save money, or we're cool and we make them subconsciously in our minds. But we still make these vows that we want to live to. And most of the time, these vows are stuff that we want to do to just invest in ourselves. You know, a better me in 2018. But Jesus said in Luke 6, actually, it's all about investing in him and other people. will make the better us. So Iceland is an interesting place. And these, this theme of investing in people isn't just coming out of, the, out, of, out of the air. It's something that I saw in Iceland. So Iceland was, born, was birthed through a lot of magmatic, magma activity. That's why it's a beautiful land of dark, ashy, rocky soil. But life was hard for Icelanders. They're a mixture of people from Norway, men that were exiled from Norway because they were criminals, so they kicked them out. They were the Vikings. Vikings were just criminals. Well, they needed women, so they went down to Scotland and stole women and took them with them. And then they found Iceland. And that basically makes up the majority of the genetic diversity of Iceland. And some Asians, too, that came, came there through ice and, I think, some sailing. And they're very proud of this. They're very proud of saying that they stole women from Scotland and they're, <laughs> and they're former criminals from, from, from Norway. It's really weird, their sense of humor. But that's who they are. But since life was so hard on this, on this island in Iceland, they, they need to work together. They need to rely on each other. They weren't going to make it unless they saw each other as essential for their survival. And so you see this sense of investing in each other all over the place. People are just genuinely kind. They don't walk up to you and smile. But if you talk to them, there's a genuine kindness to the people there. Like they actually mean to be kind. You know, not just like, how you doing? It's real and genuine. And they're very straightforward kind of people, too. So it's very refreshing. I think that comes out of the fact that they realize that honesty and people is how you survive and have wealth. It's how you make it through. They learn to rely on each other as a part of their culture from the very beginning. And it made for some very warm 
moments for us. In fact, one thing that we noticed that everywhere that we walked, people would stop for us to walk across the street in cars. I mean, it was like you just could just walk across streets. And there was a British guy that we talked to that was there and said that you can't do that in, in England. If you do, you'll, you'll get killed. <laughs> but in Iceland, people will stop for you. I think that it was an interesting juxtaposition or difference from American culture in some ways. American culture, from what I have been grown up in, is a culture about complete independence. It's a declaration, literally, of that we've made, of independence. And it's independence now through technology at the click of a button. The more, the less you can move and get stuff to you, the better. That's <laughs> what it means to be an American. But too much focus on independence, what I've noticed in myself, leaves me leaves people more distant, more cold, less empathetic, and kind of alone. That's what I've noticed personally in myself as well. That the more I focus on how much I can do myself and not needing people, the less I really care about people and the less happy I, I become. And the less I just really don't like the less I like people. I've seen that in just myself. And I've seen that in other people that do that, that pride themselves on having everything that they need themselves without others. They don't seem to be that happy. Who would agree with that? Anybody agree with that? Yeah. But that's the American way. That's the American way. When I think back to Iceland, um, I noticed that a lot of the homes there were apartment homes. There's a lot of land, there's a lot of places to live, but they don't really try to build and have big homes, and they like to live close together. It's just, a, it's a, I think, a cultural outpouring of this sense of relational value in, it, and in wealth over personal independence as primary. It's still still a part of them. And they actually go a long way to keep that in their culture. In fact, there's a thing where if you come to Iceland, you have to have yourself renamed to keep yourself, keep Iceland in you. It's some weird thing. It's a weird uh, way that they do it. That you, I, I'll tell you later after the sermon. But it goes a long way to keep people primary over just stuff. So who wants to be a lonely jerk in 2018? Wayne wants to be a lonely jerk. <laughs> who already is a jerk? <laughs> Pastor Aaron, you want Pastor Aaron's a love jerk. He loves you for this jerkiness. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm up here now. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I love. Um, 
Lost my place because I did that. <laughs> Here it is. There it is, good. <sighs> Who here feels like they are becoming less of a jerk because of Christ growing in their life, because of reading and embracing his word more and more over the years, over this year, and because of being a part of the Oikos family? I could say that. It's been a good thing. Choosing Christ and his family over money, worldly security, and things is my goal for 2018. I'm, I'm stopping. It's, I'm tired. It hasn't really done anything. And I've seen people who do it, they just get, they're just more and more depressed and frustrated. And I'm tired of believing that the more things I have and the less people I have in my life, and the more space I have to be alone in, my, in, in that is better because it's just not. It's nonsense. And it's what Christ commanded us to not think about when you read Luke chapter 6 because Jesus has a different type of economics, and it's called relational economics. And he said actually embracing people and family and him is how you will become wealthy. So this happened in a physical way. The northern lights. Alyssa and I really wanted to see the northern lights, more so Alyssa than me. I just wanted to stay warm. (laughs) But she kept wanting to go outside and look at the sky and look for those lights. I'm like, man, it's cold. So... It rains so many days. There's a video that we'll show you of literally it's raining like crazy, and she's videoing me, and it's raining, and we're looking at a waterfall. And we just prayed that night, Lord, will you make it stop raining in Iceland so we can have a good time? And we also wanted to see the northern lights. We said, Lord, will you part the clouds so we can see the northern lights, finally? And there were a lot of people that were saying, you're not going to be able to see it. It's a bad time of the year. They had radars and everything everything like that. But we prayed and we believed. And sure enough, the next day, it stopped raining. And it didn't rain for the remainder half of the trip. It was like three days or, or, or four days. It didn't really rain after we prayed. And it was still kind of cloudy. But we walked outside of our hotel, and just for like an hour, the clouds parted. And Alyssa wanted to go outside. So we went outside, and she was really hoping to see the northern lights. And there was a man that was outside of the hotel that we had talked to the night before. His name was Pablo. And he was just talking to me. And he was from Brennan's Aries, and his wife was named Laura. And I think I said that right. And they knew as much English as we knew Spanish, which is very little. <laughs> but he told me that there was no way to see the, the Northern Lights. So the next day, he yelled at me, my friend, my friend. The lights, they're up there. And I, I looked up in the sky, and all we saw is nighttime was just kind of a white haze. And we thought it was just the moon kind of glowing through some clouds. So he said, no, no, those are the lights. Look, look, I have, I have camera right here. Just look. And in that moment, I could have just ignored him. It would have been easy, I guess. And just kept walking. It was cold. 
Or I, I could have listened to him. I could have opened my heart, trusted him, embraced relationship, and I did. I walked over, looked in the camera. He had an easel and a stand, and sure enough, there was a, a, a green haze in the camera. And I was like, oh, what? And it was, it was there. The reason why you couldn't see it is because our eyes are adapted to, to contrast in the night, so you can't see color. And so it's just something that human eyes can't, can't see, but a camera can't. And so he invited Alyssa and I to go in his car with him, his wife, and drive off in the, in the dark to a place where we can take a picture with him of Northern Lights. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Just kind of met you. But then I heard God say, yeah. Yeah, trust me, embrace me, let me in relationship over yourself. So we got in his car with his wife and we drove off and we went to a spot and we took a picture and there it is right here is the picture of what happened. So pretty cool. And it's cold. (laughs) Really bundled up with my wife. You notice. Yeah, I'm like, Hang up, Pablo. He's behind the camera. He took a lot of pictures, by the way. Well, so we couldn't see that. It was still just a haze. But through the camera, you saw the light. And so God heard my prayer. And he said, so to answer your prayer, I'm going to have you talk to a man that barely knows English, that you barely know. You're going to get in his car and drive away in the dark, and he's going to take a picture of you and your wife. And that's what he did. But it took me having to trust God and embrace people and let in family. We talked to Laura and Pablo for an hour after that, back in the hotel where it was warm. And even though we barely knew English, there was this relationship. And we, it was a connection. We didn't even need to know English or we didn't even know how to know Spanish. They didn't know English to have a communication with them. The beauty of when we let people in, when we let Jesus determine wealth. When Jesus knocks, are you opening the door or ignoring him? I'm glad we did not ignore Pablo and Laura. I'm glad Alyssa and I got to experience that together. It made me wealthy. There was a moment, too, in our trip where we did a museum uh, tour, and it was snowing. And I got out of our car, and Alyssa just pelted me with a snowball. And I was like, are you crazy? (laughs) But something happened. I, I released that tension to be an adult. And I threw one right back at her. And then this thing you know, we were having a snowball fight right there in this parking lot. And it was really, really fun. Like, actually fun. A snowball fight. So Alyssa won. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Here, here's how she won. I'll say it real quick. I, I ducked behind two cars thinking she didn't see me. And I was going to pop around and hit her really good, you know. 
And this thing you know, as I'm preparing to hit her, I hear this icy, feels icy cold thing on my neck. What she did was just throw a snowball randomly up in the air and went past two cars and plopped me right on my neck. <laughs> it was a perfect hit. So she won. I, she, she won, Adrian. We visited my mom and my dad after that in Tennessee, after a great trip to Iceland, and we had a great time with them. And in a conversation with my mom, this painting came up in my heart, and I showed her this painting. We know this painting, right? Jesus is knocking, and asking us to let him in. The reason why this painting is so popular is because there's not there isn't a doorknob on the outside. So there's no way for Jesus to go in unless the person on the inside lets him in. And also, his expression is one of, he's not, you know, trying to knock it down. He's just kind of there with patience and love, waiting, hoping for the door to be open. Are we going to let God in in 2018? Are we going to let God in in 2018? Yes. All right. What Jesus says here, that everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. <sighs> Ouch. So he's standing there knocking because he loves us. But there's a time when, because we're mortal and there's won't be here forever, we just won't be able to open the door more because we'll be gone. The end of this age will pass, and he won't be waiting forever. Just won't. We have to open the door while we still can. While our hearts will let us. What is the thing that we keep trying or promising ourselves to open, or are we, are we've ignored opening that God's still just waiting there for us to open on? Is it to finally tithe? Is it to really believe in Jesus? Is it to really take a step of faith in that belief in Jesus? Is it to actually trust someone? Is it to actually be vulnerable with someone in our life? Is it to actually pray and trust that God will answer the prayer, even if it's cold outside? What is it that Jesus is patiently and lovingly waiting for us to open up on? Instead of us continuing to put money and stuff and whatever in front of him. We put him. We open up. Revelation 3.20 is the inspiration for that painting. So it says, look, I, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That is some strong, intimate words there, my friends. 
to eat with Jesus. But it takes, it takes a risk. It takes being hurt with somebody in our life. It takes them disappointing us. It takes them not returning what we thought we should get from them. But if we trust what Jesus said, what God said, true wealth, the economy of wealth is not what the world says. It's him and it's embracing his family. That's the wealth that will give us everything else that we think and that we actually do need. And Christmas is the time when God is reminding us of that. Every year he reminds us of that. No matter what we do with it. So what is it? Maybe a missional community that you've been wanting to go to. Maybe actually go. Maybe actually commit to going regularly. Maybe it's, for me, it's my parents. I've been praying for them. And we had some hard conversations with them that were awesome over Christmas. And it was, my parents were very thankful for them. And I was thankful for them. Let's embrace family and let's embrace God in 2018. Luke 6, 38 again. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Let's make this our goal for this coming year. Let's give ourselves because God gave himself to us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you so much for family, the body of Christ, which you created because you came down and gave every ounce of yourself to us, not part of yourself, all of yourself. Because you, you did that to show us that you, we are worth it because you say we are. And to create a body of Christ, to create a family for us to really find home in. Lord, may we open our hearts for this next year. To family. To your church. To your Holy Spirit. To you. And may we be blessed with wealth that this world does not understand. And may that allow others to see that blessing and be drawn to it because we are drawn to it ourselves. We are drawn to what Jesus said really gives us riches. May we be overwhelmed with it for this next year. And we thank you for being our God and leader who shows us how to be wealthy in this world. In Jesus' name, you praise. Amen. Amen. You're invited to receive prayer fully if this touched your heart. There will be uh, elders and leaders and, uh, about, and you're welcome to come up and pray, receive prayer from them and this time.